Welcome back to Cocktails and Classics. This week, we watched Reservoir Dogs, the freshman film from Quentin Tarantino. Joining me this week are Zach, Ben, Cam, and I'm Dylan. At one point in the film, we learn everyone's code names, and Joe is handing them out. And uh, Mr. Pink, played by Steve Buscemi, does not like that he has received Mr. Pink. And the discussion proceeds about... Oh, you can't let people name themselves because everyone wants to be Mr. Black. Uh, This week's drink is a coffee cocktail. Uh, It's a coffee old-fashioned using Mr. Black, which is a coffee-based liqueur, rye whiskey, and then a couple of orange bitters. They also drink a shit ton of coffee at the restaurant. Apparently, Mr. Pink wants his cup filled six times, and he only not a shit ton. Yeah, he only drank three cups. That's that's not a shit ton. He expects six. Mm. If he doesn't get six, he doesn't tip. What an asshole! Could you imagine right? getting six cups of coffee at a at a restaurant? I can't imagine drinking six cups of coffee. Well, I just like the fact that he's like, we've been here a long time. I expect to drink six cups of coffee. How fucking long have you been there? Yeah, how long does breakfast? Because if because let mean, me tell if you, Tarantino's tell you. giving all these fucking speeches about Madonna, then uh, you've probably been there a long time. That's but true. here's the thing. All right, that would have immediately been my argument against the whole not tipping thing. It's like, listen here. We've kept this lady's table busy for this long, and you're not going to tip? She could have had two or three customers come through that would have tipped her. So put your fucking money on the table. I get it's the 90s at this point, but uh, there's like, what, six or seven of them, and they're only giving a a dollar a piece? Yeah. Like, there's no way that's 12%. No way. (laughs) Like, if they each had a breakfast. Not unless all they had was... Yeah, unless all they had was coffee. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Well, the one guy had a beer. There was a beer bottle at the table, so it's like <laughs> somebody obviously is spending some money there. We're diving into it here. We're, this is basically it's Reservoir like Dogs in podcast form. We're just bullshitting here. Like Reservoir. a Virgin is actually about a huge the, dick. <laughs> I mean, the opening of scene of Reservoir Dogs is basically just them podcasting, <laughs> but eating breakfast. I feel like that's something Tarantino does really well, though. Um just casual dialogue can be super entertaining in a Tarantino movie. Well, fun fact, Kevin Smith said that seeing Reservoir Dogs, and namely the opening scene, uh, really was his inspiration as a filmmaker because he felt he didn't know how to write dialogue until he saw this movie and realized that, wait, just people bullshitting about whatever can be dialogue? And that's why you have a lot of the, the Star Wars talk in Clerks. I like it, but I also like the, like, we talked about this in the other one. I don't remember if I cut it, but we kind of talked about coffee and lemonade. With the orange bitters in there and the rye, it kind of gets you that little bitter bite with the coffee taste. And then Mr. Black isn't, like, as sweet as Kahlua, but it is a little sweet. Um, so, you know, you get that sweet, you get the bitter from the coffee, you get that little citrusy bite, like, sourness from orange bitters. It's great. Love it. I make these quite often. Uh, makes me able to drink rye. Yeah, I tried to randle this one, um, which I love that that's a verb, uh, and just use coffee and not coffee liqueur, and it wasn't good. So I put a little bit of uh, some syrup in there to kind of sweeten it up, and it's much better. So note to everyone out there, don't be like, oh, coffee liqueur, I don't have that. I'll just use coffee. No, don't. Don't do that. Save yourself the trouble. Learn from my mistake. (laughs) Maple syrup is just such a great cocktail saver. If you ever make something that's bad, you can throw a couple tablespoons of maple syrup in if you need to, and it'll it'll go down. 
Not even a cup, just like a couple squirts of it, just to add a little bit of sweetness, and you're good. Especially Wait, what kind if of it's... maple syrup do you have that's squirting? Mine is a... usually like a slow pour. Ben's well, still got that uh, vintage Aunt Jemima, when you, the, you, the you take the blend. bottle and you just kind of give it a squeeze. Okay, not a <laughs> a couple squeezes. I don't know. No, I like squirts. Dollops. Do you Wait, want to mine, call it? My my maple syrup just pours out. I've never. I don't have like a yeah, squeeze bottle one. It's... Well, real maple syrup doesn't come in a squeeze bottle. Uh oh. <laughs> Who the fuck it comes in a glass bottle? Whoa. 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 <laughs> you caught me. Well, fuck me. Ben, ben needs Meyer syrup. Ben I'm, needs Meyer I'm, syrup. I'm Butter middle, flavored cornstarch. Middle class. <laughs> Corn syrup. You caught me. Pour. Pour. <laughs> <laughs> the Canadian fans oh, just man. turned this off. You, you got me. I'm a poor. Help me, I'm poor. Buy this man some maple syrup. Buy some Surfside Sip so we can get this man some maple syrup. Uh, We'll give him the 10 bucks it requires to go to Costco and buy some. (laughs) Well, he'll have to get the $60 Costco membership first. Buy more straws. That's true. Costco is too exclusive for me, even. (laughs) Oh my God. It's like a club. I don't want to have to pay to go like get drinks at a bar. Like I don't want to cover. Just let me buy the maple syrup for fifteen dollars. Come on. If you make a coffee, <laughs> all right. <laughs> if you make a coffee, old fashioned. Um, the recipe will be down below. Look it up. Make it. Try and find Mister Black near you. I think it's better than Kahlua. If you can't find it, try some Kahlua. If you can't do that, coffee and simple syrup, according to Ben. Will help save your cocktail or maple syrup if you're Zach, I guess. Just oh, totally obliterate syrup. the cocktail and randle it to the max. Uh, send us a picture at Cocktails and Classics Pod on Instagram. Use the hashtag Cocktails and Classics to send us those pictures and your thoughts. We want to hear if you liked the cocktail. And if you didn't, give us a bad review. <laughs> tell us how shitty of bartenders we are. You don't have to leave us a bad review. You can just tell us. We'll do that thing where if a company is like, did you like our app? You say yes, they take you to the store review page. But if you say no, they give you an internal form so that they, you don't actually leave a bad review. So let's do that. So if you hate <laughs> it, don't leave a bad review. Just tell us directly. Berate. Or, or yeah. give us a five-star review. And in the comments of that review, be like, hey, the podcast was this great. Sucks. The cocktail, I didn't like it. Yeah, just send angry messages. Just send angry messages to our Instagram handle if you don't just like it. Hit us up with that perfect five out of seven, you know? Exactly. With rice. Three out of five. Podcast was funny. Cocktail was bad. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> it's clever. You think people give us a comment that says podcast was funny? <laughs> <laughs> Cocktail was good. Podcast, not so much. Can't believe I've listened to all 40 episodes. <laughs> <laughs> I was really committed to give them a chance. Man, if they if they listen to all forty and then say it sucks, then like I feel like that's the person who goes to a restaurant, eats the entire thing, and then is like, I didn't like this at all. And to the waiter to like try and get a refund. Yeah, it's like, bro, you ate the entire sandwich. I think you're good. So what's what's like the podcast equivalent of like the waiter coming out, sees that your plate is empty, and is like, Oh, you must have hated it, huh? Uh, watching every episode every week or listening to every episode every week, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> I haven't been able to have that in-depth of a um, conversation in regards to the podcast yet. Uh, usually I start with, hey, so I have a podcast. And then most of the time, 
they just turn around and they start walking the other way. <laughs> Most of the time I hear, yeah, so does everyone else. <laughs> Do you think you're special? <laughs> Is it successful? I mean, moderate? Nope. No, it's not. That's a no. <laughs> Pretty big. If you have show. to explain your success level to someone, then uh, there is no success. Do you have advertisers? I mean, yeah, we do. Other than Audible? I mean, yeah, we do. Yeah. Any that I've heard of? No. A straw guy? <laughs> I, I got a straw guy. Let me hook you up. I got I a straw, straw guy. guy. <laughs> <laughs> Reservoir Dogs is the freshman film from Quentin Tarantino. Came out in 1992. It's crime drama thriller. Currently sits at 8.3 out of 10 on IMDb. Currently at number 89 on the IMDb Top 250. It was written and directed by Quentin Tarantino. It's the story of a simple jewelry heist that goes wrong, and the surviving members begin to suspect one another of a uh, plant or a... uh, a rat. Police informant. Yeah, a rat. Uh, it stars Harvey Keitel, Tim Roth, Michael Madsen, Chris Penn, Steve Buscemi. Quentin Tarantino's in there. Uh, Stephen Wright is actually the voice for the radio. Okay. It's, it's the cast of the usual suspects of a Quentin Tarantino film, like the early ones, before Sam Jackson shows up. Yeah, before yeah. the Sam Jackson it's, era. It's and Christoph Waltz. <laughs> it's the Tarantino-verse where it's like, oh, it's a Tarantino movie. Let's spot Tim Roth and Harvey Keitel. Steve Buscemi will show up somewhere. This was the birth of the TCU uh, (laughs) that really, like, brought it all together. Because uh, Michael Madsen's character is Vic Vega, which is uh, John Travolta's character's brother in Pulp Fiction. Mr. White and Joe are talking in a scene, and they reference Alabama from True Romance. The PO for Michael Madsen's character, uh, Blonde is Seymour Sagnetti, Scagnetti, which is the brother of a detective in Natural Born Killers, which were all written by Tarantino. So a lot of the TCU was born here. (laughs) This is where it comes about. The one thing that that we didn't see unearthed upon us in uh, this Tarantino movie is women's feet. I don't think we see a single woman's foot, barefoot in this, uh, this movie. Well, he had to kind of keep that hidden until you know he could get a little bit more famous. You can't, you can't unload all of the crazy in movie <laughs> one. You got to save that a little bit. My counterpoint to that is that he definitely, I feel like he has a weird thing for using as many slurs as possible in movies whenever possible, and he definitely did that here. I think like, he definitely doesn't yeah. hold back on them. Like yes. If you think about. It's the if there's 90s, any excuse there, for him like, to say the N-word in a movie, he's going to take it. Uh, yeah. Or or um, some other colorful slurs for uh, black people, Mexicans, Asians, you know? there's Gay people, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, I forgot that one. That one is in there. There's a lot of uh, just, you know, c- colorful slang that <laughs> Tarantino uses because he's so hip in this movie. Ugh. Yeah. The sad thing is that it just, I guess my thing would be like, hey, it's 92. Okay. Like he should be, he should be a little bit more woke than that. It would be different if it were like in today's age, he didn't use them as much. Yeah. But he still does. Yeah. Which makes it really hard to excuse this one. Right. Like, I don't know how to feel about it. 
It's like, yeah. and, I mean, these aren't and good the fact characters. that he writes it too. Like, That's the he thing. He writes yeah. the script, and yeah. he writes parts for him to say it. I think it's okay to like to an extent to be like, yeah, these people suck. But at the same time, it's just so excessive, even in more recent movies, where it's like, dude, come on. Like, yeah, like he's writing himself to say it in the movie, not in this one. I actually, I don't, yeah, pulp I don't think in this one, Pulp in Fiction, fiction he, he does. does. He drops no, I don't know if ER, he, for sure, I don't know if in he, that one. I don't know if he says it in this movie. He does uh, talk about, uh, I think, what, How I know he talks about big, big dicks. <laughs> Big, yes, big um, and then I'm pretty sure he does say something about uh, promiscuous women. I don't know what exactly the term was. The thing about this movie is that it's like super ultra violent, but it, like you never actually see it on screen. Besides, like I don't even think you see anybody get shot on screen, really. Yeah, uh, the one did. I think you see the woman in the car shoot and maybe Mr. Orange. Tim Roth's character. Yeah, you see Mr. Orange get shot, and you see the lady in the car get shot. But that's like a one, everything like a else, one like little yeah, shot thing. For the most part, everything else is off screen. And I guess at the end, when they all shoot each other, yeah, they that but you it's like see that. like the ear but, is off screen. It pans away there. Yeah, but you still have to um, see the gross like spot where the ear hole is. Yeah, <laughs> that's like yeah, a lot of ear holes. That was pretty bad. Oh, that was like a sponge. God, oh. when he's like. It's just so like sadistic because like after it he's like he's like was that as good for you as it is for me and then it's like talking oh. in the ear can you can you hear me still God like, Michael Madsen a plays sick, a great crazy guy he is a sick bastard who hadn't seen this one before just Cam I have not just Cam wow just but the way I like Pulp it. Fiction right yeah okay mm-hmm. well you've seen the better of the t- <laughs> the two starters <laughs> yeah of 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 his non-linear I suppose that's true I mean I thought this was still a good like I really like this movie I thought it was good like I mean I I think Pulp Fiction is probably better but I did like this still what was like your initial impression Cam do you have like thoughts on it like I said I uh for being his first movie especially I thought it was really good um like I said earlier the just his use of excessive use of like slurs and stuff is weird like I get it if the scenes call for it and like you know at no point do we are we pretending any of these people are like good people you know but still he 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 did this back then and he still does it today and, and that makes it kind of weird but um besides that i thought i don't know like the bullshitting in the beginning dialogue scene was i don't know like that's not honestly one of the more like iconic scenes of the movie even is him talking about the tip thing um i've seen that a lot even without having seen the movie but otherwise i you know i i still i I thought this was a good movie. Um, like a lot of it was just done through dialogue of, you know, there wasn't like a ton of action scenes, like in his newer movies or there wasn't a ton of like, I don't know. A lot of his newer movies are very like, which I don't like dislike, but are kind of like over the top, you know, like, uh, once upon a time in Hollywood, uh, Inglorious bastards, all of them are very over the top with like, and I haven't seen Django, but that one is also over the top with like violence and gore, and like the storyline is like goes off the rails like a hundred percent. You know, like in Glorious Bastards, they kill Hitler. In Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, they kill the people, the Manson like cult family or whatever, and it just gets weird. This one is like zero percent weird, I'd say. I I think 
what you're saying and how I'm going to sum this up in my own words, because I kind of agree with it. Uh, when Tarantino has to work on a budget, much better than when they're like, here's a bunch of money, go make whatever you want. Because it's he couldn't a so different you prefer product. This, he you prefer he couldn't this, do he couldn't do a lot of other stuff other than use a lot of dialogue or I mean realistically there's what like three or four locations in this movie? Joe's house, the cafe, the warehouse, and like the outside of the jewelry store. Yeah, some yeah, of the streets. Like Los Angeles oh, streets. Mm-hmm. And then maybe like Tim Roth's character's apartment yeah. or in like a mm-hmm. bar. He had a couple locations. But, but I mean yeah. like very limited location. It you he didn't have a huge budget, so he couldn't do a lot of like out there action sequences. Um I mean I think even if you look at pulp fiction, not really a lot of different places, not, you know, an absorbent amount of action sequences and stuff like that. So I think when Tarantino kind of has to you know, when you give him a room to play in versus giving him the entire world to play in. Yeah. And I don't think the product of that is necessarily bad. I guess it depends on the movie we're talking about. Yeah. Like I no. think Inglorious Bastards is an awesome movie. I love that movie. Yeah. That's a good movie. But like, I just think it's, it it's, definitely produces a different result. I just think it's interesting. Um, there's a, I can't remember what the quote is, but basically there's been a, a lot of people that I've, um, being a huge animation nerd, people that worked on like TV shows, like action shows in the eighties and nineties were like, we couldn't show anything actually happening. And the limitation bred creativity. You had to be creative to find solutions to work around stuff like that. And I feel like sometimes with a lot of movies, that's beneficial. It's like, Hey, you only have this much money or you, you can only do this. And people kind of find the way to work around that and make it better because of it. So I will say, I, I do like Tarantino's movies. But as someone who like went to school for film and everything, he, I feel like he breathes a lot of like imitation. Um, like you said earlier, Ben, uh, like Kevin Smith was inspired by him. Uh, I feel like a lot of kids watched this movie and then were like, hey, that means I can just write people like talking in a room. So you get like all these movies where it's literally just people talking about stupid shit all the fucking time. The trunk shot, which is like birthed in this movie, like every Quentin Tarantino movie after this has the trunk shot and every freaking film student has done the trunk shot in a movie. (laughs) Um, Just so cool, man. (laughs) <laughs> i mean i'm sure it was cool when you see it for the first time in this movie you're like oh that's a cool shot but then yeah now everybody else is like i can do that uh, my only really complaints about this movie because I, I i do enjoy it i don't know it it's a love hate for me my really only complaint is some of the camera work on this like it was the first movie the cinematographer did and obviously it's tarantino's first movie but some of the camera movement is unmotivated for instance, there's this there's the scene where Pink and White are talking, uh, and they're going back and forth, and then like they f- they switch sides and they walk back over to the other side of the room, and they're talking over here, and it's like a wide, and then the camera moves, and it's just unmotivated in that in that scene there, and that just kind of like adds some of the like amateurishness to the movie. This movie loves mirrors. 
How many times did you... How many times was somebody looking away from the camera, but you can see their face in a mirror? I do love mirrors. Um, as somebody mirror who, like, is in camera work, it just adds, like, a depth to the room. It makes it yeah, feel no, roomier as cool. well. Like, in real, in real life as well. Like, if you're designing a room, like, you put a mirror in there and it adds depth to it, but... Uh, you just get you get cool plays on it. I don't know, because it's like, oh shit, like that guy's turned away, but oh, you see his face. <laughs> Speaking about the camera work, I I enjoyed like the long. I want to call them hallway shots because I don't know like the appropriate term, but uh, the camera at one end of the hallway pointing into a room, and you can't necessarily see the entire thing. Like at the very beginning when Mr. White and Mr. Pink are talking, and you can and only, you only see, see Mr. White. White. Yeah. Yeah. I like stuff like that. Here's another question, too. Did anyone notice the split diopter shot in this movie? It's so bad, yes. Is it bad? It, I noticed it, and I was like, oh, that's interesting. I didn't notice it was bad or good. I just saw it. I think it wasn't as hidden. Like, you know, in all the presidents, it was pretty where, obvious. where the line is on, like, a pillar. Yeah. This one, mm -hmm. it was not. I feel like maybe if you try to hide that, like, that out-of-focus point, it would yeah. look a little... But, yeah, where the... Basically, it's when Orange is like, I'm a cop. Yep. Yep, it's where the um detect or sorry, the police officer is looking at Mr. Orange and Mr. Orange is kind of talking to him. So you see the back of the police officer's head very close to the camera, but in focus. But then you also see Mr. Orange in the back in focus, and there's a line where you can really tell where, you know, there's like a you yeah. know, it's out of focus around his head versus in focus for Mr. Orange. Which is such an interesting choice. Like, I don't know yeah. why you wouldn't just, like, leave the cop out of focus there. I, I don't know. Like, I mean, maybe it's just Tarantino because he's such, like, like, he worked in a video store before this. So that's why, like, every movie he's ever made is, like, mm. a reference to some weird, crazy Japanese foreign film or, like, this old spaghetti western. Like, everything he's ever done is a reference to something. So I wonder if maybe he's referencing some old movie with this split diopter shot. Like the old brian de palma films and he's like this is my my homage to D D brian de palma yeah maybe i don't know i just thought it was interesting because if i if you had not like told us about that like i don't even know how long ago it was now i never would have noticed it i i did write down i was like it, it it's a kind of a rough shot <laughs> like it's just so obvious i thought it was interesting i mean i have no critique on it from a you know technical standpoint but i thought it was interesting that they chose to use it, and that I could see it. I guess back sort of to, like, the Kevin Smith discussion, um, how Clerks we watched was split up by the different, uh, like, words that would describe that section. What did you guys think of the story being told, like, character by character, and we get, like, a little insight into the their before leading into the heist? I'm a big fan. Uh, Tarantino does it a ton. Um, it really reminds me of reading a book. Uh, a lot of the times you'll read um, like the Game of Thrones books, they'll go through an event and then at the end of the chapter cut over to a different character and then maybe go backwards like two weeks and then lead you up to that event. Um, that style of storytelling I really enjoy. Yeah, I don't have a problem with the whole, I don't know, like I think I've called it like the like broken narrative where like you kind of start and then it kind of breaks up the story. I do like it in this in this movie. I just kind of wish like there would have been more background on everyone. Like you kind of get like a little bit about Mr. White and a little bit about Mr. Blonde. 
Um, I understand, obviously, you're supposed to get a lot about Mr. Orange. Just, you're kind of figuring out what's going on there. Mr. Pink, I just know he's a professional. I'm assuming that's kind of what they're supposed to tell you is like, hey, he's just a guy who was hired for the job. And maybe that's the thing with the other guys. But I think it would have been interesting to get the full backstory as to what was going on with everyone. And also, I just feel like the, the scenes of them just sitting in Joe's office talking could have been done differently. But again, I understand it's one of those things where like, hey, we have to kind of give this backstory. Uh, we have this limited budget. We have this house for like three days to shoot in. So let's just do as much as we can here and then go to the next thing. Yeah, they were, they work really hard to make the crazy guy be the most trusted by Joe and Eddie. Yeah. Yeah. But like I said, overall, I don't, I don't mind the whole like broken narrative. Like Zach said, it's kind of like something you see a lot in, in books or I think in a lot of different media. I know there are some people that can't stand it. I just, I, I'm glad too. It's not something that everyone does. You know, what's interesting is the, uh, the only person who really does their job well is Mr. Pink. Uh, Steve Buscemi's character doesn't tell anybody his name gets to the warehouse on time, grabs the diamonds, stashes the diamonds, stashes the diamonds. And two interesting things. One, he's the guy that gets away. He doesn't yep. get killed at the end. And you don't get a backstory on Mr. Pink. He's just the guy that shows up, did his job and went home. I did think I did notice that as well. I thought it was interesting that he's literally the only one that was like, like I was like, I mean, everything he's except for the beginning about the tip thing, obviously, but everything else, like, you know, at least in accordance with, the heist and how it went bad i was like yeah you're right like yeah unfortunately like it's not like like it's weird because you're kind of rooting for him but at the same time it's like uh you robbed a, you know jewelry and you killed people and you know but i don't like, think yeah, you're right mr pink kill anyone does he i don't know i don't think so. I, no. yes. cops. he shoots he, he at them shoot he did cops. shoot at them oh he, i don't know if he, he hit or he hit some hit he did hit some yeah yeah he hit one could have been in the gut. He though. definitely intended to. Takes <laughs> or, yeah, it takes weeks to die from that. But I mean, even then, <laughs> like, gonna die when, <laughs> when he's when he's talking about it, he's like, "Yeah, if Mr. Blonde hadn't gone off the frickin' handle, we would have been in yeah. and out. It would have the job would have gone without a hitch." The whole thing was that, like, I, I feel like Mr. Blonde had Mr. Blonde had too much of like a personal connection to the situation too, because like. You know, Eddie's like, oh, he's nothing but loyal to me. He's a good friend. Blah, da, da, da. And then it's like, like, everyone's like, he's a fucking psycho. He literally yeah. shot everyone in the jewelry store. And they're like, oh, what? I don't care. They deserved it. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think the main thing with them at the end was like, Mr. Orange was like, he was going to kill you all and take the diamonds. And he's like, yes. Really? He did four years for us in jail and didn't say anything. I don't think that he would do that. <laughs> which is like yeah you're he's right <laughs> orange orange was playing... right orange did fuck up but he fucked up even more when he's like oh i'm sorry white i'm a cop Dude, why would you, you tell was, him that you, i mean you he may have lived. well he he felt guilty he felt yeah. that's what it was he felt guilty because he stood up for him and he shouldn't have and he died because of it he got shot but because of it the mr I'm not sure orange would have survived though the Mr. Orange, Mr. Blonde situation is a total social deduction game, and he gambled and lost. <laughs> no, 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 no. Yeah. It's him. It's him, and he was going to do this. 
That's all this game. This movie was just early I'm, secret. I'm going to withhold uh, this information. Uh, no, this guy definitely gave me the... I gave him an option of a liberal and a fascist card. <laughs> and he definitely and he definitely played a liberal card. You played a fascist card, so I don't think I can believe you. And he's like, oh, shit. No, I fucked up. I should I I should have just saw kind of sus. I saw a blonde vent, so... Yeah. We should, we should kill blonde. <laughs> What? No, but I saw Mr. Orange literally kill someone. Yeah, but I saw him vent. So, like, if you guys want to take me out next, that's fine. But we should definitely vote Blonde out now. Uh, you know, Reservoir Dogs is kind of a, uh, a resource management game, you know? Oh because re- it's really it's about diamond diamonds. management games. You have to manage diamonds and psychopathy. Everything, when you when you boil down to it, is a resource management game. Well, yeah, because you got to manage your ears, how much gas you keep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How many, How many bullets you, put in the you trunk shoot? Of your because car? Uh, yeah. Mr. Pink what? shoots like yeah, I noticed that too. Bullets. With the with him getting into the car, like after that happened, I was like, holy shit! He just shot like twenty bullets in that pistol. There's no way. Did you notice <laughs> in, uh, in the shot where it's uh it's Mr. Pink looking at the camera, shooting at the cops around the corner, and he's just pulling the trigger like crazy. You can actually watch the slide lock on his gun because it's out of ammo. And then it's a quick cutaway and back, and then he's popping off another 20 rounds. That's no funny. time to reload. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude shot, like, a, you know, 20 or 30 bullets or whatever from his, like, I don't know, what? What's the clip size of those things? Like, 10 bullets, something like that? Yeah, it's probably, like, 10 or 11. I was say, like, come I think on. it's 10, and then usually there's, what, 10 and 1 in the chamber? Yeah. Even so, so ele- like, whatever. If we take 11, <laughs> it's like, the dude would have had to reload, like, twice or three times over... You maybe know, he went. Uh, maybe he went the Mr. Orange route and just had, or the Mr. White route and had multiple pistols, and we, yeah, he just quick was... changed. You know, somehow I doubt it. So, anyways, <laughs> I start blasting. So anyway, they started blasting. They do a really great job with the sound editing in this one. Like at that scene, after Pink just kind of books it, you can like hear outside the sirens come. Like he's trying to start the car, the sirens come. Uh, there's like gunshots as he's like driving off the scene with uh steel's wheel or Steeler's wheel, whatever the fucking band's yeah. called. When he walks out and the music like comes off, yeah. and then you hear the sounds of L.A. and then he comes back in is like, so- oh my god, the sound editing. Even is, like, like you hear it like so right when he there. opens the door, it's kind of silent, and then it gets louder as he walks in. Yeah, that was that was really good. that's like so impressive. Really well uh, I mean, he had what like a million five budget. So, like, there was money there, but that's really good. And the editor of this film, even, uh, Tarantino's worked with the editor, I think, his entire career. Um, she she may have passed away. Let me double check. But every every movie since this, the same editor has edited Quentin Tarantino's movies. Hmm. Um, Sally, Sally Menke, she did pass away. She did not do... Um, once upon a time. She hasn't done anything since *Inglorious Bastards*. Oh, okay. Okay. So, but she did everything up to that. Uh, the movies have also gotten quite a bit longer since *Inglorious Bastards*. I wonder if there's a connection. *Inglorious Bastards* was pretty long. Yeah, but like the *Hateful Eight, like the director's cut yeah. of the *Hateful Eight, isn't it over three hours long? It's like three ten. Maybe I maybe Tarantino's so. getting to the Stephen King point where like the editor doesn't do much and you could just write whatever the fuck you want and then it's like I'll just grammatically correct your film. You could still use the N word, I guess, but like 
<laughs> yeah. The studio's not going to make you cut it, right? They're not going to, like, kneecap you like they would, you know, if you were just, like, uh, in your, like, second or third movie, and then the studio's going to come yeah. in and be like, whoa, whoa, yeah. we have to cut a lot of this. With Tarantino, they're like, oh, it's a Tarantino movie. If we try to edit after he says he's done, we're never going to get anything again. Yeah, I mean, who do we like? Harvey Weinstein might have really liked women's feet in the N word. Like, <laughs> he fueled this fire for uh, many of Harvey, the years. It's Harvey Weinstein. Odds are he did like both of those things. We're gonna go to the Smads. We'll be back, and Zach will put us through a trivia quiz. So this week's podcast is brought to you by Surfside Sips. They make high impact glass straws. They're a family owned company, and and what's better than saving saving the turts, you know? The turts. <laughs> the turts. You know, I'm one of those people who hates using paper straws. Paper straws fucking Paper straws suck. suck. They I are love the worst what solution. they do. I love the that we're we're minimizing the use of plastic straws. I enjoy that. Paper straws suck ass. They suck. They're the worst possible solution because turns out, guess what? Paper and water don't fucking mix, okay? I don't know who came up with it, but it doesn't work. Even though even though they put coating on it to try and help, it doesn't work. It just gets soggy, and you end up throwing it away anyway, and that's just more waste. And so, But you know what doesn't get soggy? Glass. Yeah. Glass straws from Surfside Sips. And if you want to get some glass straws from Surfside Sips, you can use coupon code COCKTAILS AND CLASSICS, spelled out. That's COCKTAILS, A-N-D, CLASSICS, for 20% off your order. And if you're looking for a business to support during this time, seems like a good idea. If you've listened before, you know Zach. He he comes up with these questions somehow. Maybe it's because he watches each movie multiple times. Maybe it's because he just knows weird shit about movies. <laughs> but uh, he puts us through a trivia quiz. So, Zach, what do you got for us on Reservoir Dogs? the ground running uh question one uh we liked the the early beginning dialogue and it's really popular in the movie um if you listen close you can answer this question um according to mr blue how many dicks did the virgin take in like a virgin is it oh i have to give you options i was gonna say we get options here is this just free form responses <laughs> just give me your best guess is it is it a five b nine or c fourteen I think it's nine. I'm pretty confident it's nine. I'm going to say nine. <laughs> I also believe it's nine. Yeah, so before you gave us the options, I was going to say nine, and then when you <laughs> said it, I, I locked that in. Dope. It is nine dicks. The, the he, doesn't, woman, he doesn't say nine, though. He only he says like he six, says, right? He's, he does say all nine. He says dick, 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 but nine times. Oh, okay. I I thought I heard like six. I didn't like sit there and count them out. I wasn't like counting dicks. <laughs> I was counting like, dicks. <laughs> like I was trying to go to sleep, and it, you know, it was just dicks hopping over a fence. But like, so Zach, oh, I have to ask: Did you throw? Did you throw the fourteen in there? As like any? Wasn't that no. the the clerks? No, clerks was thirty seven, wasn't it? Thirty seven. Yeah. That yeah, was a lot of dicks. Oh, a Man, lot more than nine. How more than nine? Maybe that's where Kevin Smith got inspired for all those dicks, though. Maybe. Could be. Is Alrighty. it an homage? Let's look it up. 
So everybody has a point. We'll um, we'll stick with a similar scene, still at the breakfast table for question number two. Assuming a fifteen percent tip, how much was breakfast at the beginning of the movie? A thirty eight dollars. B, $53, or C, $69. Sorry, what percent? 15. I feel like we have different strategies. Cameron is going with the, I'm going to do the math in my head. Ben is showing his work, and Dylan is using the calculator. <laughs> Are you... Yo, you, you <laughs> Are you seriously using a calculator? Sorry, can you, can you wait, repeat the, what were the options here? Them again? Yes. Can you repeat the, the answers? A, 38, B, 53, or C, 69? I have my answer. <laughs> 69. Go ahead, Benjamin. I'm I'm Knowing you, I'm going to say 69. I'm not going to do the full fucking math, but... Um, if my Actually, math wait. stands me... No. It can't be 69. You said 15%? Yes. Wait, total bill including or excluding the tip? This is excluding the tip. How much was okay. like the bill before the tip? Yeah, then what I'm was the second option? 53. I'm going to say 53. I'm going to say 53. Well, if my math is correct, there is seven people at the table. Joe pays for it, so then that's six dollars, and six dollars is fifteen percent of thirty-eight. So a thirty-six. No. Oh, no, no. There are there are eight people at the table. It's uh Mr. White, blonde, pink, brown, blue, orange, Joe, and Eddie. So if if one dollar per person is fair, and that's a fifteen percent tip. So it's B. That means that the bill was roughly fifty-three dollars and thirty-three yeah. cents. Yeah, sixty nine meant sixty nine would have been almost a, would have only been. I like thought 10%. for some reason I thought there was I don't know why I think I got twelve percent mixed in my head or something. They so, do they say twelve percent. Yeah, that's an, I didn't say twelve percent. I thought yeah I thought it was twelve dollars not percent. You know I miscounted a color apparently. I think I missed brown. Yeah. Quentin Tarantino because he's only in there for like fucking two seconds. <laughs> he's yeah, the one talking um, about all the dicks. That's the guy you I forget. Know. Not yeah. Mr. Blue. Well, I should have forgot Blue because talk. goddamn Blue's in the movie for a whole one scene. Half There's a, a second, good story yeah. behind that. Is uh, that guy got fired like three days into filming? Really? He got in a fight with Tarantino, and Tarantino fired him. Oh my god! <laughs> and then they're just like, oh, he's dead. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> hence, hence he's either dead or he's alive or he's with the cops or he's not. <laughs> I wonder if that was written post them firing his ass. <laughs> Uh, so, if my math is correct, uh, Ben has a one-point lead. Uh, Ben's got two points. Yeah. Cam and Dylan have one of Yours, piece. Your math is correct. Ooh. Mine is not. Somebody's got to be around <laughs> here, you know. Just me and Ben backpacking this math thing. Question number three. Being our first Tarantino movie, I thought I would take us into the Tarantino-verse. Um, this movie is the first time that we hear a radio ad for Jack Rabbit Slims, which is a fictional restaurant that Tarantino reuses, most famously in Pulp Fiction, but... There's little tidbits of it throughout the Tarantino verse. Uh, Jack Rabbit Slims is famous for their milkshakes. How much does a milkshake cost at Jack Rabbit Slims? A three dollars, B four dollars, or C five dollars? So, question, follow up questions. Is this a you said it's is this a fictional place or a real place? It's a fictional restaurant. Gotcha. Tarantino uses it a bunch of times in the Tarantino verse. Okay. 
where where is the fictional restaurant located? Where does the dollar value come from? What year? I guess it depends on the movie. Right. So where did you get your figures from? From this one. Oh. They okay. literally say it in Pulp Fiction. They say how much a milkshake costs. They do. If you're a, if you know Pulp Fiction, this one is uh it's an easy one. Oh no, Ben Ben has <laughs> a, a ben Pulp Fiction sweat. <laughs> <laughs> John Travolta's which, got a, which, got a line about it. If they're if they're all connected, uh, means Mr. Pink apparently didn't have a good time trying to scalp those diamonds because now he works as a waiter dressed like Buddy Holly. Yes. And Mr. Orange did not die, but then also went on later to rob, to commit petty crimes. To yeah. try to get the diamonds back. Apparently that's how it works. Maybe he thought that's what's in the briefcase. It's the diamonds. We've come full um, circle. So you said it was two, three, I, or four were the options. Three, four, or five. Three, four, or five. Okay. So Ben, go first because you're in the lead. Okay, it's a five dollar uh, milkshake. Ah, uh, that's expensive, really. In John Paul? Travolta thought so too. <laughs> it is LA. You know, LA. Five bucks in the nineties. Jeez, that's insane. I'm gonna go four dollars. I mean, I guess I'm going to go $4 yeah. as well. Just, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure it's 5 but... It is 5 uh, yeah. Vince Vega. $5 for a milkshake? Uh, Vic Vega's brother in Pulp Fiction says that line. Uh, so, like... That is insane. It's a Ben with the win. Even today, I'd be like, what the fuck? Ben, who is dominating season two. Woo! Ben has an earpiece in his ear. Is he dominating? <laughs> I still haven't done the math. Okay, I was going to say, I'm doing well. For those of you at home that can't see the video feed, Ben took off his human form to reveal his reptilian (laughs) underbelly. (laughs) I'm the motherfucking lizard king. (laughs) Ben took off his shirt, is spinning it around his head. (laughs) He's chugging an entire bottle of (laughs) Tito's right now. Oh, that's weird. And milk. I I am the Tito bandito. Milk chaser. Whole milk chaser. He's doing the milk challenge right now. Drinking a whole <laughs> gallon of milk in less than 30 minutes with vodka. Wait, now he's, now he's doing cinnamon challenge? <laughs> oh, man. Now he's shoving spoonfuls of, of cinnamon? <laughs> <laughs> Are you faking him doing it? <laughs> oh, my God. See, they don't know because they can't see the video feed. Right. Ben they is can't see the having video. a hard time going over here. For all they know, you are currently ingesting a spoonful of cinnamon. Where are doing this? <laughs> There's nine penises that just appeared on Ben's camera. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. I like won't, a I won't virgin for the very first <laughs> It has to be one that's so big that I it hurts, that it shocks me. You know, uh, Madonna, Madonna like publicly wrote Tarantino a letter telling him that like a virgin is about true love. It's not about sex. Oh, really? Which I, I don't understand how you can make that argument. It's clearly about sex. All right. Um, uh, one other thing before we... I know we're going to get into um, reviews and that here. I did just want to touch on the soundtrack to this movie. I, I do love the fact that they used the whatever 70s, super 70s radio show, basically, yeah. to help tie in the soundtrack. But... They did a really good job with using songs from that era to, to do the movie. 
it reminded me a lot now because I hadn't seen this movie in a while of very similar to how Guardians, Guardians did it. Yeah. This movie was made on a, on a super small budget, which I was wondering, is it, is it cheaper when you're making a movie to like put in a bunch of hit songs and then get the rights to them or to have somebody compose a score for you? Um, they're two separate things because their score is the music that is not like directly like playing in the movie. And then like a soundtrack would be songs that you like license and like, yeah, what I, what I mean is this movie has no like score ambient music. Yeah. There's no score. It's all just radio tracks. Basically. Yeah. Well, sometimes you would have both though. Like you would have both in a movie. Yeah. I'm just trying to figure out why, like what's cheaper. Yeah. Or, in this one, I get the feeling like it's it probably was like a, a budgetary reason, but yeah. I can't imagine like maybe it's maybe it's the the times have changed, but I can't imagine getting the rights to like twelve songs to use in your movie is cheap. Yes, oh, yeah. however, at the time, I mean this this movie I think stuck in the middle with you was like a hit in the seventies. By the time this came out, no one. No one knew that song. I think it's the same thing with, like, Hook Down a Feeling. Ooga like, chaka, ooga, ooga this, chaka. This movie used it, and then it kind of went away. And then once Guardians used it, it blew up again. Came back. But I think that's an, the fact that it was, like, the Super 70s. They probably got those. They were able to for afford those songs on a shoestring budget. Yeah. Because who was going to pay for them anymore? Nobody was buying them on iTunes. Uh yeah, iTunes in 1990. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it it was probably still a good chunk of change to like get the rights to play them, but I mean, like oh, Ben I'm, said, I'm sure being 70s, budget, being 70s but... in the 90s, I'm sure it didn't cost like anything. Like it wasn't as much as we would think today, because well, half the songs. Like... And it's not like those songs were like the hit song of the seventies. Yeah. When someone sits and goes, Oh, what's what are the big albums from like nineteen seventy? No one's going, Oh, Steeler's Wheel. That's it. That's the one. That's the that's the that's the hit. Like, mm, no. Yeah, and half of them like half of them were like knockoffs too. Like Magic Carpet Ride was not the Steppenwolf version. No, it wasn't. It was like a whatever band cover. Yeah. Which it looks like there's a few of those. Like Bedlam is what they have on the soundtrack as who did Magic Carpet Ride. They also did Harvest Moon on the soundtrack. So, I mean, it looks like, honestly, all you had to do was Hooked on a Feeling, Lime in the Coconut, Stuck in the Middle with You, and then I Got You. And little green bag. Yeah. Those are like the so you had to you had to license four songs, five songs. Those of us who have seen this film, we wrote down our ratings based off memory and nostalgia. And I want to know if that rating has changed or not. Cam, you're the only one that hasn't seen it. This is the reason True. we started the whole podcast. So yeah, season two, we'll go time. first. Getting back to our Let's roots. Hear it. What what did you think? Back to our roots. Quick, someone post the video. <laughs> So I've seen only a handful of other Tarantino movies, I think. Um, 
don't know, ones that I've seen that come to mind, Pulp Fiction. God, we were literally just talking about it. Inglorious Bastards, uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and this. I don't think I've seen the other ones. I thought this was a good movie. I mean, I think it speaks to his quality of a director that, I mean, most of the movies he puts out are pretty good. Like, you know, we looked at the rankings and his lowest ranked movie out of the nine was like seven out of ten. I mean, that's not awesome, but like, that's, you know, to have your worst movie be rated a seven, like, go see what Michael Bay's worst movie is, I'm sure. And, you know, you'll see something a lot worse. It's a I'm ten. Sure. <laughs> His lowest is a ten? <laughs> Michael yeah, Bay sure. only makes great movies if you love only explosions. Only makes bangers. Yeah. He only Literally. makes 800 Transformers. Literally, movies. he only makes bangers because things always go bang explode. in his movies. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, the weird thing about Tarantino, like we've talked about, is just his weird use of slurs a lot. Like, again, I get that like ca- these aren't good characters, and that's fine. But it's so odd to me, his like weird, like, I don't know, obsession with including like really he's like an edgy 14 year old writing movies but he gets like millions of dollars to do it a lot of the time um at least in terms of like some of the dialogue um but that said a lot of the dialogue in this movie you know without that stuff um is pretty good and i thought he did a really good job of telling a story within three four rooms um and the plot was entertaining and i honestly didn't see it coming that orange was the cop so I liked it. I'm actually going to give it an eight. I thought it was a good movie. Um, and I'd probably watch it again in the future. Although I'd probably watch a different Tarantino movie I haven't seen yet. Going in, I gave this movie an eight. I think it's a good first film. I know I kind of talked poorly of it. We'll say that. Um, uh, with like some of the weird audio things, but also the great audio, like mixing and, and editing and post. Um, some of the unmotivated camera work kind of bothered me the weird split to opter uh, but the acting i think really i think the acting really props this movie up a lot i think the entire cast is great the writing kind of annoys me just like some of the like stupid pop culture dialogue that has just permeated everything since this movie <laughs> just really bothers me but it is like Maybe it's the direction, maybe it's the acting and the way they take it. Maybe it is the writing, I don't know. But the way they, it's just so quick, and it is like, oh, you, like, Madonna, da-da-da, Madonna, dicks. Like, it's just so quick back and forth. It's unlike how Cam said, I think, Clerks, parts of it, he's he said, felt kind of like they were reading a script. This one, I don't think they, that it felt like people were reading a script. I think everyone kind of like really knew their part and it was it was back and forth real quick and I, and I very enjoyed that. I liked you not not showing things. Um, you kind of like inferred the violence. The the ear cutting is like hard to watch even though nothing is ever shown like it's just uncomfortable. I'm going to lower it slightly. I'm going to I'm going to lower it to a 7. It's good, but I think his some of his newer work is better. The last like 3 or 4 that he's released I think are are much better than Reservoir Dogs, in my opinion. That's that's what we got. Watch it. It's good. So going in, I have this movie at a 7. Yeah, some of the dialogue, I I did not remember it being nearly as uh, slur-laden, I guess. (laughs) Um, Just in my head, you know, when I think of the movie, I think of the story. Uh, I think of the non-linear storytelling. I think of the twist 
at the end of finding out that, you know, Mr. Orange is the cop, hearing that first hard R kind of took me out of it, not gonna lie, kind of made it a little bit more difficult to watch going into it. But like we said, I think I, I still give Tarantino credit for the, the nonlinear storytelling parts that he's just done really well. The dialogue just feeling like dialogue, like people bullshitting. Uh, it doesn't feel forced. It doesn't feel super, I don't want to say super serious. It just seems like it's real. It doesn't seem scripted. I left this movie at a seven. I think it's good. Check it out. Uh, if you like Tarantino, you'll like this movie. Um, if you don't like Tarantino, I mean, I don't know why you dig this deep into watching it. Uh, so yeah, seven out of 10. So I feel bad when this happens, but I, I agree with a lot of what you guys said. Um, speaking to Ben's point about Tarantino things, I think that this is like a perfect, what is Quentin Tarantino? Watch Reservoir Dogs because you get a little flavor of everything. The like, You said there was no feet though. Uh, you get everything you need. Um, okay. unless you like really like women's feet, uh, definitely don't watch this as your first Tarantino movie. It's going to completely take you out of it. Um, but everything from like the great acting, the kind of quirky, uh, in the background, uh, dialogue, the racial slurs that have to be in there. Um, I think this movie is a fantastic snapshot of what Tarantino does. Definitely not his best movie. Um, I'm going to give it a seven. Coming in, uh, like Dylan, I gave it an 8. Um, but you can just tell, like, this movie, it almost feels like an indie movie. Uh, it's still pretty good. I still think people should watch it. Um, but but I am going to drop it down to a 7. If you enjoyed this, check out the rest of our episodes. Subscribe, follow on Spotify, Apple, wherever you're listening. Write us a review on Apple. Helps us out. Share us with your friends and family. Check us out on Instagram at Cocktails and Classics Pod. Send us your movie and your drink recommendations. We want to try shit. We want to watch shit that you want us to watch and try. Uh, what? <laughs> <laughs> Give me a money. Money me, please. As always. So do. Watch responsibly. <laughs> Check out Reds of War Dogs. It's on HBO Max as of our recording.